0: Whenever we're we're unfamiliar with something, we want to make it genetic right away. We want to say, oh, yeah, that's we're just fundamentally different. But the reality is, is that people learn and develop into these things. And that if you went to a place that uh, a place you wouldn't normally frequent, a place that isn't just a salt and pepper, basil sort of place, and there is a challenge to your narrative and you go and you say, I'm unfamiliar with this, but I want to learn. You will learn so much and they would do anything because they're proud of their cuisine as much as we are. And I'm saying we, because I live in two worlds. I live in a world that is traditionally American, but I also, because of who I am, am exposed to my other culture and other cultures. And I can tell you that they're very proud to teach you things.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to another Standout from the Inside podcast presented by Versity. I'm your host, Edgar Daggett. Welcome back to our viewers. And if you're new, please catch up on our other episodes by by subscribing to diversity podcast stand up from the inside available on all your podcast channels welcome to another week hope you guys had a great week great weekend celebrated i enjoyed some of the festivities the fall festivities hopefully in your state it's not getting too cold like it is here in michigan because you know we're already freezing you know it went from summer to winter real cold but you know that's the midwest so as we go along here You know, we have an exciting episode for you all today. We'll be talking a little bit about, you know, that community side, how that outreach to hospitals, what that looks like, uh, the bias against either the community or against the hospital. So we'll be digging into into, uh, details about that. But to join me in that conversation, we have an amazing person who lives out of of Indiana. Her name is Liz Need. She's a bestselling author with her brand new uh, book, Curry Up. That's available on Amazon. Liz, welcome to the Standout from the Inside podcast.
0: Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this.
1: No, thank you for joining. You know, I'm super excited to have you here. You know, I've heard so much about you being involved in the community. Started, you know, you weren't originally in this space, and somehow you've you joined. You've conquered. You're spreading the word. You're bringing out the mission, and it's inspiring. So I want to thank you for that. Liz is a best-selling author. She is. She just created a new book, or just wrote a new book called Curry Up. It's available on Amazon. You can see the link down below. And let me let me just start there. Curry up, because I'm a fan, I'm a food fanatic. You know, we're foodies here, at least in Michigan. You know, coming from my side of the history of the minor- minority side, we're big foodies, and curry is a big one that we use in all of our seasonings. But it comes from Age on that Indian side. What was inspiration about that book? Curry up.
0: That's definitely my story. Curry up. So I was born in Detroit, and my then we moved to uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul area, and we, you know, my parents are immigrants from India. They came here in the late '60s, and so I lived that immigrant daughter's life. I, I grew up around people who were. Scandinavian, Norwegian Lutherans, so blonde, blue-eyed, fair skin, and then there my dad was a PhD living uh, kind of in a more blue-collar area, and I really hated being Indian when I was young. I really stuck out like a sore thumb. There was, you know, I have actually, I'm neurodiverse, I have ADHD. I never felt like I could get away with anything, And so I rejected everything about my Indian culture. I just wanted to have lasagna and hot dish and bars. That's what they call those things in Minnesota. And my mom, you know, she delivered. We had a lot of meatloaf, had a lot of pot roast. I think about how she was 17 when she left home and she, um, you know, married at, Uh, 23, 24 years of age in a country that she wasn't familiar with. And so she tried to do everything she could to assimilate. And we did have curry regularly, um, you know, curry dishes regularly, but not until I was older did I really fall in love with the cuisine. So because of that, I asked a lot of questions and I learned about it. So one of the things that you need to know is that, you know, curry is just a combination of different spices, coriander, cumin, um, some different peppers and and paprika and the combination someone called it curry so there's different curry combinations if it's lamb um vegetables shrimp and the other thing to know that's really cool is that these things these curries these different spices are cancer fighting that they actually there's a very low incidence of cancer in india And that's partly because they've raised they're they're raised on these different spices so people think of curry they think hot immediately Mm -hmm. that's just the way they think of you know heat that it's super spicy and that you're just going to be sweating but actually those flavors don't have to have heat in them so what i did is i put together what is a representation of my childhood And I took the things that I loved, mashed potatoes and onion rings and sliders. And I I thought, how can I make this taste better with these spices that my parents grew up with? And so I say that, you know, like take a dish and curry up, like make it a little something. So there's a few dishes in the book. In, that are recipes that are traditional Indian food. But most of it is food that you would get at your local pub. And it's just a little extra flavor that's in there, which I think is the beauty of the United States, that we have all these different cultures and we can take different things and put them together. And they're actually better than they are separate.
1: So this is a fusion. This is a fusion of American dishes with your spices coming over and enhancing.
0: Yep. Yep. Exactly yep, right. So this
1: is it. What are the top three? You had to name three dishes on that cookbook. What are those three dishes that you're like, okay, someone's new coming to my house, I gotta make these three dishes. What are those three dishes that's in, that's in, those, uh, that's in that book?
0: Okay. The first one is just the straight up chicken curry. Like here's the okay. thing that you can do. You don't always have to order it out. And I actually think that if you make it this way, it might be more compatible with a traditional American palate. So and I give some background in the book about why these things are the way they are. So that's the first one. The second one is the onion rings. So they're coconut and spiced onion rings because coconut is a really big wow. part of Indian cuisine, and uh, and it's also inexpensive. I mean, you're all, you're hearing about how all these foods are the you know inflation is coming, and so this is a really inexpensive way to bring flavor into your um, into your dishes. And then the final one is the, uh, the potato thins that you just take potato. Cause you know, I'm from the Midwest, so everyone mm-hmm. loves potatoes. So exactly. you can, yep. it, and you can, here's a way to make the potatoes. And then you have this yogurt dipping sauce that is really good. And it's a way to take something traditional that you're comfortable with and be able to dip dip your toe in. Like just try this little thing. The big thing for me is that it's not just the spices. Like coconut is not a spice. Yogurt is not a spice. So there's techniques, there's interesting ways to bring these foods into our lives that we can learn from other cultures.
1: Next time we do this podcast, I know exactly the setting we're doing it
0: in. Okay.
1: We're going to take a road trip over there. And we're going to try some of these items because they're exciting. And I didn't know that about coconut, how you said it's expensive. It's is like hard to get.
0: No, 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 it's not. What I was saying is, you know, it's inexpensive. So these inexpensive, are things okay. where you can eat like a king. You know, people, the way that my parents grew up, they grew up in villages. I mean, my dad bathed in the backwaters of Kerala, like he did not have a shower and my mom, she didn't even have a well, like they had bladders that they called, you know, like water skins. And she went to a river to get water, but they ate so well, because if you know how to use these different things, so coconut is very uh, predominant in the Southern part of India. Yogurt is something that you naturally use because it's good for your gut And also it's good to cut the spice if that's something that you need to do. And so using these ingredients, you can eat so well and it can be so good for you and it doesn't have to be expensive. So in light of all the talk about inflation and the stress in the economy, this is a good place to start. Like find out how to Mm -hmm. make these things yourself and use things that uh, are used all the time. They're already proven to be really tasty and good for you from other cultures.
1: No, 100%. I have to repeat something because heat is something that I always hear my friends saying, like, I don't want to go there because it's spicy. Because I love Indian food. I'll go out to a couple of restaurants that we have here in Ann Arbor. I'll want exactly how how you will make it at home. That's how I want it coming to my house. Yeah. But what my friends are, some of my friends are saying, they're like, that's spicy. I'm like, (laughs) no, you don't have to get it spicy. You know, it's for the flavor. It's a different flavor. It's a different, like the sauces, you have to enjoy that. And then I take them, and I'm like, "Listen, they don't want spicy." And then the waiters are like, "Oh yeah, completely fine. We don't have to do anything spicy. We can do, you know, just mellow. Uh, We have different spice levels." And they explain what you said to exactly to them. They're like, "We're not just spice. We're not. We're flavor. We're different types of flavor." And we put on different uh, uh, meals that you can see every day, like chicken. Uh, You know, that's something that's common and you know i'm trying to expand my palate and trying to like reach out to like different cultures and it's all about trying it's all about being willing to try it and not be scared about like what people say so heat is not always about indian food or it's not always a key component in indian food
0: yeah you know i want to get a little serious right now and say you know these are narratives that are used so that we will be afraid to try new things that is a real mm-hmm. that's a reality in our country is who told you Who was the first person who tried Indian food and said, oh, no, that's not how we roll. That's not the way that we eat and then didn't go any further. So what that does is it stops you from understanding that there is a way of doing something. And of course, it's not. You know, we we want to believe as a culture that maybe Indian people or, you know, maybe Vietnamese people, I don't I don't know, wherever you want to think about that, they have a special tongue that can handle the spices. Because whenever we're we're unfamiliar with something, we want to make it genetic right away. We want to say, oh yeah, that's, we're just fundamentally different. But the reality is, is that people learn and develop into these things. And that if you went to a place that, uh, a place you wouldn't normally frequent, a place that isn't just a salt and pepper, basil sort of place, and there's a challenge to your narrative, and you go and you say, I'm unfamiliar with this, but I want to learn, you will learn so much. And they would do anything because they're proud of their cuisine as much as we are. And I'm saying we, because I live in two worlds. I live in a world that is traditionally American, but I also, because of who I am, am exposed to my other culture and other cultures. And I can tell you that they're very proud to teach you things. So whenever someone tells you, oh, that's bad, question it like go to the place and learn why did they choose the spices they do what are the benefits you know what can i learn how can i create synergy that's positive and powerful um, that will make a difference but that narrative has really hurt people there was some person who was very traditional who only used salt and pepper
1: Mm -hmm. maybe a
0: couple other things in their dishes they took one bite of something and it and it no one taught them anything And they said, no, that's spicy. And then they really did their job to pass that narrative down. What a shame, because to have it happen, I'm 50 years old. And when I was 18, people were saying those things. What a shame that I'm 50, that I've been in this country since 1970, and that people are saying the exact same things that they did 30 years ago. Why haven't we learned? Why do we believe the narrative of fear and we're not able to enjoy something that is ours now i mean we our birthright as a country is that we accept people from different cultures i mean we're not the nicest to them always but we're stuck with it we have lots of different cultures so then why is this there this other problem that we are afraid to try things in other cultures because there's billions of people that are eating this food so it can't be that bad and when people are like oh your skin is so good i'm thinking well why don't you go to the playbook and look at the spices, and look at the foods, and look at the way, you know, they uh, Indians stay out of the sun. Like, t- take the page from that playbook. Why do you have to learn it all yourself? You can learn from other people and enjoy it.
1: Yeah, you, all you have to do is ask. That's yeah. one of the key components: ask, and don't be afraid to ask. Because you know, we have here in the United States, we're afraid to be ignorant, or there's that ignorance level where like, okay, we don't want to sound wrong, we don't want to be wrong, so we're not going to ask entirely. Right. And no, be open, ask a question. And, you know, when we come to the to the uh, to the blood world, you know, we have we have a majority of, the, of our workers are Caucasian white and they're scared to go into these uh, communities. And they're like, OK, why are you scared? Because we're different. We say things different. We talk. If you're scared and you're scared to ask, bring somebody who's like that or part of that community and go with them. It'll make it so much more comfortable for you. So, again, I take my friends. I'm like, okay, let's go get Hispanic food. Ah, yeah, where are we going to go eat Mexican? I'm like, no. We're going to eat Hispanic food. Or everybody just, you know, Spanish food is Mexican. it's Mexican food is amazing. It's delicious. But it's not. There's a whole other country down there on the other side. So let's go. You know, I know maybe the workers don't speak English. They speak Spanish. I'm there for you. I'm um, there. I'll be your tour guide and let's enjoy. And when you get there, you, you will actually love the food because it's something unique, something different. And yeah, maybe sometimes it can be a little bit spicy or maybe a little bit unique, but start off slow. You know, if it's spice, start off slow on a very low level. And again, all of our tongues are the same. You'll eventually adapt and you'll actually want more and more heat. And one of the funny things that in our culture is, hot Cheetos in some type of way, that Frito-Lay hot Cheetos. And at least in South America, that Southern Central America feel, spice is not a key component um, depending on the country. But most of the time, spice is not a key component in our dishes. So when you eat something like hot Cheetos, it's hot. Like it's really, really hot. But then when you start eating it and eating it, it calms, it cools down. Over like six months, you're like, this is no longer hot. Or maybe it tastes good now, and it's something as simple as that that over time develops on your palate. But that is that's really really good to point out, and we'll be we'll dive into that a little bit more in questions. But as I said with, with you, you didn't just start writing books like you know you you didn't begin writing books yesterday or two years ago, maybe ten years ago. Where did you start? Like wh- how did you get into this uh, this messaging side of being part of the diverse community, spreading word? Like, where did it start from?
0: That's such a big question. (laughs) You know, I really, I think it started for me just growing up. I didn't know it was starting at that time, but I felt like I had the rules to this rule book and I could follow them, but the other person didn't have rules for me. So I always ask this question, diversity talks, if, if life is a game, and I go to the school for your game and I learn everything about you. I know about your patterns. I know about your sporting events. I know what's important to you. I really understand you, but you don't know anything about me. Who will win the game? Like who gets to win it? I have a leg up on you because I understand everything about you, but you don't understand anything about me. And I'm able to integrate myself or create change or create influence because I just understand the way you think. And then I obviously understand the way I think. So I'm able to communicate that way. And that was something that I was learning without really understanding that I was learning it as a young person. And then um, I spent 15 years in corporate America. And in that time, there are just things that happen. Like I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had the joke when I'm talking about, Oh, I'm Indian. And they say, Oh, you mean dot, not feather, like those kinds of microaggressions and um, you know, things about identity, things about, you know, marital status, all these different things happened. And so when I went into be a speaker, so 15 years ago in 2008, 2007, that's when I started this business. I, I really saw this problem that it's like people were learning something that was at too high of a level, but they were not able to sit and communicate in a room together. So they knew that something could be wrong, unconscious bias or, you know, discrimination, racism. They they knew that that was wrong, but they didn't really know how to say, hey, how are you? You know, how are things going? Um, Do you want to go get some food? Let's try this. And the minute that we get into a place where the common assumptions are not the same. We're a disaster as a community. I mean, it's really something. And we just really didn't learn anything. Like I didn't learn anything except for you know the descendants of the Vikings. I know a lot about being Scandinavian and Norwegian. I'm a fan of the Vikings and I know how to make lefsa and I understand all of these things. How can I know how to make lefsa but someone doesn't understand that curry is not really a thing, that it's just a name of something that's different than mashed potatoes. So that was where the passion started for me, that I realized that in basic conversations, we need to be able to get to know each other and that these rules of hospitality, these rules of connection have not been made available to us. But we're in our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, we're expected to know, we're expected to know how to have these communications, but yet we weren't taught. And that is where all the disaster, that is what the facebook thread is that is what the the terrible meme on instagram is that is where the shocking tiktok is because that these are people didn't just wake up that way they were taught through the tropes in our community that our knowledge which was a lie knowledge isn't necessarily the truth knowledge is what you know And so if you were taught a lie and you believe that lie wholeheartedly and you treat it as knowledge, it can become a baseline for our community. And that's kind of where we are. And so I'm meeting people where they are right now.
1: And we need to be getting taught this in high school or like schools, because that's where the fundamentals begin. Those are where, you know, you're learning, you're learning about the world. Yeah, obviously your parents and your family have a big part in how you become or what you become. But those teachings and learnings have to come through school. Because that is where you spend your eight hours a day. That is your teachers in your communities are one of the biggest influencers, also in your, in yourself for who you become. And when you go to school, not learning anything, you learn just the basics. You know, you learn that one sided. Because I know in other countries, you learn about other countries, you learn about other cultures, and you learn about America. But why can't we learn about their countries over there?
0: I don't know i think that we're told that this level of uh, granularity is something you can't teach like there's too many things too many splinters of it but here's an example so people ask me like where why did your dad why did your mom and dad choose detroit well at doing some research i found out that there were four indian men uh long before my parents came that immigrated to detroit and well, actually they immigrated to New York City, got off the plane, got their apartment, and then they thought, okay, I we wanna move west. And it's kind of a funny thing that they went all the way to Detroit. That doesn't seem like so far west, but for them, that was west of where people were immigrating. And so these four people set up shop in Detroit, and that is why there is such a large Indian population in Detroit. And that is part of why my parents ended up there. And the other thing is, In Seattle, there was a group of Sikh people, Sikhs are the ones that wear the turbans and never cut their hair, um, a long time ago, like early 1900s. And they were part of the logging industry. And once they gained a little power, they were kind of split apart by the community. They were blocked from logging. But there's also, because of that, a large population of Indians on the East Coast so if you learn a few things, you can stop asking questions like, my goodness, why are there so many Indians? There's so many Indians on the West Coast. It must be because it's warmer, you know, because it's warm in India and it's warmer in California. So that must right, be why yep. it's there. And then that's where they stop when I find it really interesting. To go, to Oh, I didn't, my dad didn't just land in Seattle and then um, get married in Detroit. And that's where I was born. That was something that had started long before my family ever knew about it. And getting that kind of information creates the possibility for connection that we need in order to influence each other positively.
1: You see, and that's something that we didn't know. We don't know that. We are like, okay, there's just a group population. How do they get here? And that's something yeah. that's not taught. You know, we right. don't see those examples. The only time we can see an example or like hear those type of stories is from a person that was either that's connected directly to it. I know oncologists you know, in college, you stop learning about history, yours unless you're going to a history class or you're taking specific. Um, so I took international business classes that we had to learn about specific groups, and even my professor then was like, "We don't learn you. None of you will learn this unless you're in this class, and you're not going to learn about the cultures. You're not going to learn about different types of people, what communication is like, and you know, it's something cool because when you go out to like certain businesses, or so I've I've been able to travel and go overseas, and when I talk to different uh, people, different organizations, we don't just talk about business or we don't talk about work. We talk about that personal side, like, how's your family? How's everything going? You know, we ask questions, we learn, we learn about the culture. They want to experience uh, my culture when they come and visit me, I want to experience theirs. But here in the US is, hey, what's the business? What's the deal? It's complete opposite. That, That interaction, that connection is complete opposite. So when you leave, you completely don't know who they are. You don't know who you're really working with. You're done, you didn't learn anything. You just come back. We had got a deal and that's it. And that's something that has to be changed the way we connect with people, whether in the business setting or not. And it's something that will have to change over time and incorporate into those high schools, um, even middle schools if it starts early and especially in the colleges because be, college is normally that last step. Not for everybody, but normally that last step before you enter that business world. And that is super, super needed from my point of view. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I really agree with you with that. Yeah.
1: No, but I wanted to enter because, you know, being in that diverse community, you know, there's a lot of you know, people have different thoughts, different ideas. And, you know, people can be a little bit close, um, especially when it comes to that hospital community relationships. And I wanted to get your opinion on how do diverse communities view hospitals directly when it comes to either uh, being just going to like for an emergency room appointment or just giving back in a way of donation of blood. And I wanted to hear that connection and see your side of things
0: so if we think about it w e b Bois is a uh, a sociologist that lived a long time ago an african-american individual that coined the phrase double consciousness the idea that you have the knowledge of who you are and then you have a knowledge of how people look at you and it's particularly impactful when it when you think about diverse people people who live in diverse situations because you're always aware that this is the way someone sees you but this is who you are so whenever you're talking and you're thinking about what we call i don't actually believe people are diverse i don't think that because that means that there's a standard of dominant culture Mm -hmm. which would be a white male heterosexual christian but for the purposes of this because you know my idea hasn't caught on and swept the nation when you're talking about a diverse person Um, you have to think about what do they think about how they're seen and what is the dissonance between how they're seen and who they really are. So I'll give, I'll just take an example. That's just from my own life. You know, Indians are seen as very smart, very focused on getting things done. I will tell you there's plenty of dumb Indians in the bell curve of life. There's people who are not that smart and people who are super smart, but, I think through immigration, you're getting to see a very driven group of people and they tend to work even in the medical world. And so if you're trying to get someone to give blood and you're like, oh, you're comfortable with um, the medical world, why wouldn't you give blood? But they're not they they know how they're seen, which is Indians are not seen as part of the community. They're seen as a really nice add on. And as long as they behave well, they're they're considered one with They're they're called a minor minor uh, a model minority for a reason.
1: Real quick, what do you mean behave well? Because that's something that pops up. What do you mean behave well? Like do you have to walk in a specific way? What do you mean behave well?
0: It's really just about assimilation. So there are certain cultures in the United States that tend to be Asian or South Asian that buy into the idea that if they Adhere to certain rules that they will be able to be successful so education becomes really important and. um, You know my parents made sure that I didn't I wasn't out late, they made sure that I wasn't partying they made sure they were like Okay, this is the way. Um, nice people are treated. So we're going to be nice. They didn't bring up racism. They didn't talk about their personal experiences, their difficulties. They didn't call attention to their differences. And it paid off. My dad is a millionaire. He came into this country with $30 in his pocket and he is a millionaire. And so because of that, because assimilation is the point of success for somebody who is Asian or South Asian, if you're talking to them about a specific difference, you're going to run into a problem. So even in my own family, when I tell my parents, you know what, I've experienced racism and our family has experienced racism, they will deny it. Before they even ask me a question, they'll deny it. So if I say by the same token, you know what, your blood is is uh, very important because genetically the imprint of your blood is needed to give to other people that are from your background that might be in trouble they might be in trouble medically they're gonna they're gonna resist that because they're like no everyone's blood is the same I want to be the same as everyone else there's no difference between me and someone else except for the color of my skin I don't want to hear about that I've already worked through things that were microaggressions things that were racism and now I'm on the other side of it I've bought my way into assimilation and I would rather stay that way you don't see me in jail you don't see me in movies Um, Cast as the villain, so that's they're rewarded that way. So that's an example of really understanding how they perceive the way you perceive them. That's that's an example, a really good example of it.
1: No, no, and it it makes sense. So when you say you know those are direct ways, like you you have to act how nice people act. Is it nice way of? saying how they act over there in their homes or like where they originated from in India or is it nice way how they act here in the United States and we have to purposely be directly like you know the majority group is it no changing that because sometimes i feel you know you have to be careful you know you have to be a little bit on edge a little bit sometimes when you when you act as the other side um but sometimes when groups of people want to be directly like one per- one other group, it almost like kind of takes away from yourself and like who you are because you want to act like somebody or want to be on that same line as someone, someone else. Thank you all for tuning in. I want to thank Liz, but we're gonna take a little break because this is a two-parter. This is a two-part podcast. You just caught part one where we dived in with Liz about culture being involved. But next week, catches where we take a deeper dive into the Black and Brown communities and what it means to be a community partner. I'm your host, Edgar Daggett. This is the Stand Up From the Inside podcast presented by Versity. We'll see you all next time.